0: Welcome, everybody, to Episode 5 of the Bomber Brothers Podcast, part of the Pinstripe Alley community of podcasts. Sean and Ryan with you here through another surprising week of Yankee success. The injuries are still very much prevalent. In fact, there's more now we can, we're can we going to have to dive into. Uh, James Paxton off to the IL. Now, prayers for Gio Ur- Urshela, who fouled the pitch off his looked like his knee tonight and, and an ugly loss by the Yankees, but... Even despite the loss, Sean, the Yankees have looked great. They're still in striking distance of first place heading into uh, the weekend series with the Rays. And again, it sound like a broken record the last few weeks, but given all these injuries and the pieces that have still yet to come back, the Yankees are in really good shape.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, aside from tonight, we went to like the one loss they've had at home in almost a month, so way to go us but yeah um, yeah, I I mean the the Paxton thing um, really worries me and you see how that could affect the team in a game like tonight uh, as we record here on Wednesday night after the wise doesn't last too long against the Mariners but um, and we're going to get into all the heroes of this streak um, and just like we did last week but when you have guys like Herman stepping up um, and really that next man up mentality has has taken over and we've seen new heroes every night and last night um, maybe right up there with the Gardner Grand Slam game against the Red Sox as uh, one of the top games of the year so far
0: absolutely you had the game-tying home run from Urshela and and you mentioned Herman real quick before we get into last night's game uh, we had Brian Hoke on uh, this week he's gonna he's gonna talk to us which we'll play in a few minutes he he's been huge on Urshela and and Herman, as was Mark Carrig in the first episode. Since we hopped over here to Pinstripe Valley, Herman Herman seems like the real deal. He's he's been one of the best pitchers in the league aside alongside guys like you know Caleb Smith and and Scherzer and and um, why am I blanking on his name? Ah, uh, Paddock over in San Diego. I mean, these guys are Herman's numbers wise has been right up there with all of them, and he's been a godsend given the absence of Severino and and now Paxton which you hope is three weeks max like they say it is. Of course, in recent memory, the Yankees' injuries have been a, a little trickier to diagnose in terms of recovery time. Just look at Aaron Hicks and Aaron Judge last year. But well, anyway. I think that's
1: why they're not saying anything about Judge right now, as yeah. Mr. Hulk pointed out.
0: Yes, he did point that out, and again, we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, back to last night, an, an incredible win. Urshela with a, a huge bomb, a game-tying home run into Monument Park, and then LeMahieu gets the game-winning hit. He is, I mean, we definitely got on the Yankees for not going out and getting the big names in terms of certain star infielders that were available, which I still believe to be warranted, but also have to give credit where it's due. DJ LeMahieu has been a fantastic sign, and he's, he's been great in high-leverage situations. He obviously, we knew about the inf- the defense in the infield but he's come back from his quick little injury that had him miss a couple days and he hasn't skipped a beat Uh,
1: yeah I mean absolutely and you know Cashman I know I was questioning some things but he deserves credit because DJ LeMahieu's been a difference maker and um, absolutely Urshela I think uh, I mean is he the MVP of the last three weeks
0: uh, who Urshela? or Shella? Yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine Urshela. so.
1: I, I mean, just like everything he's done on defense, it's um, yeah. yeah. I I think he's been the best player the last three weeks. Um, obviously fouled the ball off his knee tonight, and hopefully he's okay. But um, I mean, you saw the one game they put Anduhar there. I mean, obviously Andujar's not going to play that poorly every night. It was just first game back, probably some jitters.
0: Yeah, but. it looks bad. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it looked bad, and then you, when you see Arshella there, I, I mean, even the, what last night he made a couple, he made an error, and you're just like, wow, that never happens. So he comes back, he hits a to run bomb the tie the game, but
0: yeah, I'd say he yeah. made up for it.
1: You but, know, he, with the swing changes and the defense he brings, he's going to be a guy that's going to be hard to keep keep out off the lineup.
0: Yeah, and he has no minor league options left, so the Yankees could have decisions to make as more people come back healthy. But as of right now, he's he's been one of your most valuable guys in the lineup. Who would have thought here in, in May that Gio Urshela would foul a pitch off his knee and we'd all be holding our breath knowing that a huge chunk of the Yankees' production hangs in the balance. That's just how valuable he's been. And no one could have seen this coming given his numbers over the first four years in the major leagues, but he, he, was, he was brought on for what many people assume was just a minor league depth piece, and now here he is. I'm being one of the most valuable players in the Yankees lineup who would have thought
1: uh it's like I can't compliment what he's done enough but um you know when you couple that with you know Gary Sanchez who Friday night wow um (laughs) two two just massive bombs and he hit another one on Saturday unfortunately the Yankees didn't pull that one out but um You know, and now you have Torres and and Andujar back. It's it's starting to look like, you know, a a team that could sustain some success without kind of this, holy crap, how are they doing this mentality? Especially with the good news that uh, maybe as early as this weekend, Aaron Hicks will be resuming his post in center field.
0: Yeah, he started a rehab assignment. That's obviously super encouraging, his his stiff back lasted a whole lot longer than we expected, but more importantly, he's he's on his way back, and they could certainly use him in center field. Brett Gardner needs a day off. I know he's I know he's been hitting well. He had the home run against Felix, like everybody else seemed to have, <laughs> and uh, and then, but also just so we can, as much as we love him and as much as we're so happy that he's passed his you know concussion symptoms and and now has gotten over the ankle issue. Quint Frazier is terrible <laughs> in in right field. He looked absolutely dreadful last night, um, and he. Oh, has, even
1: Tana- Tanaka was really pissed off at him too.
0: I have never seen Tanaka that mad at anybody but himself, and I, I mean, you kind of sympathize with him. Those are two routine fly balls that should be caught, and obviously we've seen what a competitor Tanaka is, and he wants to win, and so I'm sure it was just a spur of the moment reaction. I'm I'm sure it was left at that, especially because they won the game. That certainly helps, but. Yeah, the Yankees with uh, with Clint Frazier in right field, obviously that there needs to be some improvement defensively there, and you definitely notice the absence of Aaron Judge on on plays like that. But even Gardner in center field, you know, he's a former Gold Glover, but it, you know he's he's in his upper thirties. The the Yankees just can't keep putting him out there every day. We've seen what happens to him in the second half when he needs to play every day. This is what happened to him last year when Aaron Judge got hurt. So. You know, Hicks coming back would be huge just to get Gardner some rest.
1: Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And also, you know, like you said, um, you know, it, it'd be better to spell a guy like Frazier with, with Gardner, um, you know, for sure. Um, you know, even though Frazier really hit well, he's got a very high slugging percentage. His on-base is only 318. So um, that's really not great when you're playing that kind of defense. Um up there. Excuse me, in right field. Um, but a bright spot in the outfield, and he's kept it up, has been Cameron Mabin. Oh, yeah. Who had a big, you know, kind of started that rally in the ninth inning, and or well, not started the started the winning rally, like the part two of it in the, in the ninth inning coming around to score. Um, but, but he's been playing really well too. So I mean, I hope to God that. When Hicks comes back, we say goodbye to Talkman.
0: Aaron Boone seems to keep saying that Talkman's not going down. I don't. I don't know why. I yeah. I know he hit a home oh. run the other night, but Talkman. Yeah, out of all, out of all the replacements who have been pleasant surprises, except for a home run here and there, Talkman has, uh, has not been, been much of of the sock man. If we if
1: we are recording next week, which is going to be a very special episode and Mike Talkman's on this roster and Cameron Maben keeps doing what he's doing and he's not, I'm going to lose my freaking mind.
0: <laughs> if Mike Talkman's the sock man, he's, he's the sock that like you can't find a match for because a sock you, with you, a lost, <laughs> you lost it somewhere in the wash. It's like stuck underneath the, the door of the wash and it just sits there and goes through cycle after cycle. It, it's just, it's a useless sock is what I'm trying to say. And that's mm. what, that's what he's been. That's what he's been playing like. And, there's been so many great stories of guys guys stepping up as all these Yankees have been hurt. Unfortunately, Talkman's not really one of them. I mean, he's shown flashes. Why it seems like the front office likes him with you know just the fact that he's a lefty and he does have some power to the pull side, uh, but he's just also striking out a ton and not doing enough else to make up for these big gaps in between. You know these sparing extra base hits.
1: Yeah, it was yeah. Just come on. Come, I mean, honestly, if you have a four man outfield of of Mabin, Gardner, um fraser and, and Hicks, it's not the worst thing in the world. Like that that's good, but when you put Talkman in there and you got another automatic out. And I know I tweeted that he looked terrible and then he had a and home run. And then he run.
0: immediately hit a home run yeah. and a and a double, I think, after that too.
1: But he still sticks. <laughs>
0: so anyway yeah. well i don't think we can argue that right now he he's on the roster because they're just you know hicks isn't back yet and he they need him there just to yeah. just to take up space pretty much at this point but again we're we're praying hoping and praying that urshela is okay he's obviously become a huge part of this team and has uh made it easier for aaron boone to slide and into the dh role although he's been taking a little while to get going uh, what do you what do you think of van duhar I think he's just probably shaking a little rust out and maybe a little I don't know maybe a little timid to fully test out that shoulder I mean that was a pretty pretty big scare a partially torn uh, labrum in his shoulder so you know yeah I mean he
1: doesn't he doesn't look like he's holding back when he's swinging or anything like that um, I think it's just a little little bit of shaking the rust off and I mean you got to think he he only played what four games five games before
0: less than that. He got, he got hurt on He got Sunday. hurt the third game of the year, yeah. yeah.
1: So he played in three games before go, landing on the IL. Um, so really, you know, he had no time to get into a rhythm, and then, you know, he was just playing down in what extended spring. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I mean, he really hasn't had time to get going, but, um, you know, I think with Andahar we know the one thing he will do is hit. So I'm not worried about it. You know, will just give him some time and, Hopefully he relaxes and, and gets gets going. I mean, it'll be tough this weekend going to Tampa, but when they come back home, hopefully by then he's he's rocking.
0: Yeah, who would have thought this was going to be such a huge series against the mighty first-place Rays? Well, I mean, honestly,
1: the, the moves they made, the team they have is a solid team. They were really good team in the second half last year, one of the best teams in baseball in the second half last year. The A's season's a week worry. longer. They might pass the A's.
0: Yeah, agreed. Uh, and and the trade for the Chris Archer trade has oh, turned out to be. You know what? I was
1: just I was looking at the probables this weekend with. Gla- I'm sorry to cut you off with Glass now pitching on Friday. I can't believe they robbed the Pirates that
0: bad. Yeah, it was they. They stole that trade, and I blame Jeff Sullivan of Fangraphs. He went over there, and now they're just winning all the time. That's...
1: <laughs> <laughs> that trade was before he was over there, but. I mean, the Rays are just one of those teams. Do not trade with them because they're going to get the best. <laughs> I mean, it's been that way through all time.
0: I'm just not looking forward to watching three games and having to stare at Tropicana Field.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I always I always hope that the games in Toronto and Tropicana are weekday games because <laughs> there's nothing worse than a day game when you're watching, like, the inside of the dome. Yeah. And I know everybody says Roger Center is nice. I'd like to get up there one time, but... Um, on TV, it just doesn't play.
0: No, and Tropicana Field does not play at all either. That's that's one that I I hope if I ever started my goal to like go to every baseball stadium that that would some that would be knocked down and replaced by the time I, that came up on my list. that's, yeah. that's how little I want to go there. But anyway, we, so we talked about Andujar's struggles. How about his best bud, Glaber Torres, who has really turned things around? Came into tonight's game with a twelve-game hitting streak. Uh, The swinging strike numbers are down, the um, out-of-zone swing percentage is down. Seems like he's starting to settle in nicely. Looks, yeah. Yeah, looks much better at the plate. That's what I was going to say.
1: Yeah, looks much more comfortable ever since he got Gary back in the lineup. And, you know, we kind of talked about that whether it was last week or the week before, that maybe him having to be the man um, in the middle of the order while while Voight was kind of in that top third was a little bit too much for him. But, um or he's put too much pressure on himself, but yeah, especially with Andrew back now, his his buddy, and um, some of these guys starting to make their way back from injury. I think uh, Torres will only continue to improve, and you know he's if he just keeps doing what he's done the last week, we're in business. And really, I know uh, you brought this up with Brian, but um, tremendous playing tremendous shortstop
0: yeah yeah he's been doing great in the field that is his natural position and he was a little little shaky there last year filling in but that was also because he had been transitioned over to second base primarily in the minor leagues as they were grooming him to be the second baseman so he probably just needed some time to get used to his to his old spot again he's, he's looked fine there uh so far this season and and yeah like you said uh we talked about that with with brian hoke why don't we uh why don't we play the rest of that right now and see what else Brian Hoke had to say about the uh, rest of the goings-on around Yankee universe. First, 1st we'll take a quick break, and then uh, when we come back, Brian Hoke of MLB.com. Okay, we're joined now by Brian Hoke. He's the Yankees beat reporter for MLB.com. Also has a new book coming out, Mission 27, about the 2009 Yankees, which he wrote with Mark Feinsand. That'll be out soon. Brian, thanks so much for coming on and talking with us. Right, so uh, the Yankees, you know, they started out, they were 6-9 and nine on April 15th and seemed to be losing guys by the second, and now they've put together one of the best records in baseball since then. Obviously, there's a lot of factors, a lot of uh, guys that have come in and stepped up unexpectedly, the starting rotation's been better, but, but in your eyes, what do you think has been the biggest key for the Yankees, not just treading water while everybody's injured, but you know, winning series consistently? water I mean um,
2: I think they've won 12 of their last 16 if I'm not mistaken and uh, 15 of 19 so this is an extended run here I don't think this is a fluke and uh, really I mean you know you, you talk to the guys in the clubhouse and what they keep saying is it's that next man up mentality I think they took so many early hits uh, early on now they've got a lineup without Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton and uh, Aaron Hicks and Uh, Luis Severino is not in the rotation, and and they just kept going. Um, It's been really impressive. And I I think you've gotten a lot of contributions from guys that you didn't think you were going to get. I mean, did any of us know Gio Ursula was going to be this kind of player? I I mean, this is a guy we barely even talked about in spring training. And um, he's he's been excellent on both sides of the ball, a much better hitter than I thought he would be. Um, His defensive reputation, he's been as good as advertised. So, and then you've even gotten you know, contributions from guys like Mike Talkman and Cameron Mabin. You know, These guys are coming into a, a situation where you never thought they were ever going to fit in here. And um, suddenly they're, they're being key performers, and you're actually kind of wondering what's going to happen when the big guys come back. And um, I, before I conclude that thought, let's not overlook Domingo Harmon. He has been terrific. He's been, uh, you know, for a guy who... When spring training started, you probably thought, well, maybe he'll make a few spot starts. Maybe he'll bounce between the rotation of the bullpen. Um, this guy's been one of the best pitchers in the American League. So uh, I think it's legitimate. I think it's for real. And uh, in some of these cases, all they really needed was an opportunity. I think um, a lot of guys have taken that and run with
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. Especially Gio Rochella, as you mentioned, has been unbelievable at the hot corner. And while he doesn't flash much power, he's been great a great contact hitter. And now you have Miguel Andohar back. Mayhew came back after a brief uh, few days off with an injury. Um, Now you hear Didi Gregorius is starting to begin his um, rehab assignment soon, about to start hitting again. So what do you see Urshela's role moving forward if he he keeps up what he's doing? Because I, I believe he doesn't have any minor league options left, so it seems like the Yankees might have some kind of decision to make there.
2: That is a really tough call. You're right. Um, you, you risk losing him if you're not keeping him. And I think that what he's shown, he, somebody would definitely snap him up and uh, put him on a big league roster. So that's a tough call. But I, I think it's clear the Yankees will probably revert to what they had earlier in the season where they were envisioning Gregorius as short and our third. I, I think the wild card is. Is Andujar a third baseman now with this arm injury? I mean, can he be counted on to consistently make that throw across the infield? You know, he's played once there. The throwing wasn't great. But I'm going to chalk that up to Russ most mostly. But I think that um, it, it's definitely a legitimate question. Is Andujar a DH for the purposes of this season? Or can you count on him to play five times a week at third base? And if not... Um, You know, maybe that opens the door there, but let's not overlook DJ LeMahieu has been terrific. Um, The Yankees believe that he could move from second base to third base. He showed that a little bit. He's been playing second base, but if Gregorius comes back, then you're going to have Gleyber Torres as your second baseman, so there's a whole lot of moving parts there, and I I, I think the Yankee fans probably won't want to hear it, but I think most of them point to Ursula. Not finishing the year with a team, but I mean, there's so many uh, moving parts that could change that between now and then. But as we're standing here right now on, what is this, May the 7th, and I'm looking at the roster, and if you get Gregorius back and all these guys are healthy, I'm, I'm just not sure how you carry him on the roster.
0: And another name you mentioned, Domingo Herman, like you said, one of the better pitchers in the in the American League right now. And this is something we saw flashes of at least early on last year when he came up and and had that great start against the Indians on the day. Glaber Torres hit a walk off. He's he's shown elite swinging strike stuff. Uh, I guess my question would be, is, is this? production do you see it as being sustainable as you know the Yankees would love considering Severino has been confirmed to be out until the all-star break now now you have Paxton Don for possibly three weeks so it, can he keep this up especially when the Yankees start seeing some of the better hitting teams come up in their schedule yeah and then he
2: might run into some trouble with those like any young pitcher will but I think uh, he's not doing this by accident. And, and you know, Gary Sanchez, after uh, Herman's most recent start, was saying that I've been telling him this for a while now that he's got the stuff to compete and be this kind of pitcher in the big leagues. And also, this is going back years. Um, the Yankees knew that that kind of stuff was there it was just a matter of him harnessing it kind of keeping himself under control on the map believing in himself and those are things that come with time and repetition and uh he's certainly getting those opportunities so you hope that Herman stays healthy uh certainly he's the starts, I think he can really be something special and um uh, I think that, uh, you know, Adam Adovino said it best the other day. I mean, he's been the Yankees' ace. I know Paxton has been pretty good, and so is Tanaka. But, um, I mean, Domingo Hermont consistently, every time he takes the ball, he has really given the Yankees a chance to win. And um, he's impressed me a whole lot this year.
0: Uh, back to the infield, Didi Gregorius, the Yankees, seems to be pretty encouraged by how his rehab and, and recovery is going, and they hope to get him back back soon so how do you see you know his recovery playing out is there even is there a possibility we can see him back before Troy Tulowitzki has who's hit a kind of a, a snag in his his recovery and we know the injury issues there and do you see the Yankees possibly revisiting the chance of extending Gregorius before the season's over or do you feel like this is headed to free agency when it comes to their shortstop
2: and on the last few years, I I think that should still be on the table. I don't think uh, Tommy John, particularly for a position player, is something that would scare them off of that. Um, You know, everything you've heard now is that Didi's down there working hard and Tampa hit all his checkpoints. I I believe um, he's completing his throwing program. He's been taking ground balls at short. Um, They're talking about as early as May 20 he could probably – uh, takes him at bats as a designated hitter in extended spring games, and then after that, you start moving toward um, an eventual rehab assignment. I would expect he'll probably play in Tampa just because of the weather. Um, but once he starts getting in those games and he's playing shortstop and DH. I, then you really start to get excited about how close it is, you know, as Aaron Hicks is now finally uh, playing in games for the Tampa Tarpons. Uh, when you start seeing Gregorius get those at-bats, I, I think then then he's going to be really close. And, you know, all along Brian Cashman has been saying June, July, or August for Gregorius. Um, the way things are looking, I, I think it's going to be on the shorter end of that, and it's going to be June, and uh, maybe uh, maybe he does beat Troy Tulinsky back. I, I think that's certainly possible.
0: And you mentioned Aaron Hicks went 0-4-4 in his first um, rehab game, and now Giancarlo Stanton is supposed to start uh, trying to pick up a bat again today. What do you see with the outfield when these two guys start making their way back? Because you have Brett Gardner, who was originally not – plan to be an everyday player because of his struggles in the second half recently and, and as he's aging another year. But he's been hitting the ball well, had a home run and a triple last night against Felix Hernandez. Then you have Mike Talkman, who also has, has had a couple extra base hits in the last couple games, but he had been more on the struggling side in terms of at the plate. Just, what do you think the outlook is for guys like Gardner and Talkman as these natural starters start making their way back?
2: Well, somebody needs to get Brett Gardner. This poor guy. I mean, I, I think that it's so funny, you know, in the second half last year, they talked about how they had to play Gardner too much because Judge was hurt. And now here you are, April and May, you're playing Gardner too much. These guys are hurt. So um, he definitely could use a break, I think. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a pretty easy call. You know, I know that the uh, the Yankees staff likes Mike Tauchman and the analytics prove to that. and uh, He's certainly getting opportunity because of that. But if you have a healthy Aaron Hicks, if you get a healthy Stanton, a healthy judge back, I mean, I think that's a pretty easy decision on how you're going to align your outfield. So um, that, that would be a, a terrific, wonderful problem for Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone to have is to get these guys back and have to make a tough call with – uh Tophman sending him down or, or telling Gardner that he's only going to start twice or three times a week uh, they would love that but they're not at that point
0: yet of course the most crucial piece to the outfield is, is Aaron Judge who has yet to pick up a bat uh, obviously obliques are very tricky an injury that he himself dealt with back in 2016 at the end of the season uh, what, what's the latest on right. Judge and, and the outlook on, on when he could possibly be back
2: so tight-lipped with that and I think it's the residual effect of last year when they said a hey, judge will be back in three weeks from a broken wrist and it turned out to be seven and a half and judge just got so frustrated with it and the team was frustrated with it and so they have they haven't even told us what grade strain it is of the oblique I, I'm suspecting it's greater than a grade one otherwise they would have told us that so um You know, if it's a two or a three, um, I I think you're probably still looking at weeks, if not months, for Aaron Judge. Um, You know, I'll be surprised if he's back by the end of May. Uh, You know, just the way things are going. and um, Yeah, he's not close to swinging a bat. They're talking about how how he's been in the weight room and he's been riding an exercise bike, which is terrific, but that doesn't get you ready to hit major league pitching. So I, I think... They're going to be continuing here in the uh, in the short term and, and perhaps the long term, too. I mean, I, I don't think any of us can rule out the fact that maybe he doesn't come back until the All-Star break. I know they'd love to get him back by London, and that's the end of June. Um, I know the Yankees would love to get that back. I know that MLB would love to have Aaron Judge playing in, in London, and maybe that's what they're shooting for. I don't know, but um, I, I don't think that uh, – as I said, we're, we're talking about weeks, if not months here for Aaron Judge.
0: On the more positive side, Tommy Kainley has been back to his 2017 self after that rough start uh, or rough first outing against the Astros earlier this season. And he seemed to be battling injury all of last year. seems like he didn't speak up about his injury at first and his velocity was down, but now he's back to consistently throwing around 97. Are we back to seeing the Tommy Kainley of old? Do you think this is what we're going to see from him moving forward? He's made, he's made some really good changes, lifestyle
2: changes. I know he dropped some weight. He told me it was about 25 pounds over the off season. You know, he cut out his Red Bull diet, as uh, people have been talking about. You know, he, he was drinking five cans of Red Bull a day, which cannot help you. Um, I, I don't think that that alone is what has brought him back, but he is certainly looking more like himself. And I keep thinking back to that game. Um, it was one of Boone's first games last season, and he left Tommy Canley out there for. More than 40 pitches, I believe, and um, I I do wonder if there was a residual effect to that. I asked Canley about that in spring training, and uh, you know he doesn't want to throw Aaron Boone under the bus, but I I think that um, certainly he was never the same pitcher last year after that outing, and um, maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe it didn't, but right now what he's come back as, um, I mean, he is a weapon out of the bullpen, especially you know with that changeup makes him really, really dangerous, especially for left-handed hitters. Um, I, I think that uh, this is a guy that came into camp and um, the Yankees were probably looking for confirmation that he was not going to be the guy that they thought he was going to be and instead he came back and he's been uh, 2017 Tommy Canley, you a very welcome surprise and uh, you've seen him move up in the circle of trust here and get more and more important innings because he, he's continued to do the job. I think it's, what, 11 straight outings without a walk or a hit. And uh, so, no, he's been, he's been dominant. He's been a nice addition, uh, especially with Dylan Batanzas out, to, to add to the, the late-inning guys that we were talking about with Adam Ottavino, Zach Britton, and leading in the role of the
0: You mentioned Boone possibly leaving him in um, for a little too long last year. Now in his second season, just – Uh, what do you make of the strides or improvements if you've seen any in Boone's management of the team and and the bullpen specifically? Obviously, it's impressive to have lost as many pieces as the Yankees have and and to keep winning like this on top of the fact that a lot of their normally established relievers, Canely aside, have have had their struggles a little bit as well. So just what do you think of the job Boone's done so far in his second season as a manager? I mean, I think he's more
2: comfortable with it. and I think that the managing job he has done to get this team to where it is right now despite the pieces they've lost um you know if, if there was a vote right now for manager of the year I think he'd get my first place vote he has been that good and um you know I know that fans like to kill him and, and talk about oh you know it's the guys in the tunnel who are making all the decisions and, um I'm not sure that that's the case I, I don't actually believe that's the case I, I know that the Yankees rely heavily on the analytics, and they're, of course, presenting that information to Boone, but uh, the X's and O's between the white lines, that is all Aaron Boone. Making the lineup card, that's Aaron Boone. So um, I, I think it's shortchanging him to kind of, uh, I know there's this narrative that the Yankees don't really need a manager because everything's being kind of ordered from the uh, the nerds in the tunnel. And, um The Yankees are very heavily invested in analytics, but Aaron Boone is developing into a quality major league manager, and it's been fun to watch, especially because he's a guy who didn't coach or manage at any level before last year, took the team 100 wins last year, and obviously had great players, but 100 wins, 100 wins, playoff appearance, Um, I, I think you're seeing the growth of a manager here and he's proving that he was the right choice to do this job and um, I I think that he's handled it very well and it, it has not been smooth by any means but I think that what he's done here in 2019
0: is even more impressive than what he did as a rookie in 2018. We're talking with Brian Hoke of MLB.com and also the co-author of Mission 27, which is due out, I believe, next month, which he wrote with uh, Mark Feinstein. Hard to believe it's been 10 years already, but uh, just is there one moment from that World Series season that sticks out to you the most? what, What would you consider to be the most memorable moment of that 2009 World Series run?
2: Well, I mean, we wrote almost 300 pages on it, so it's hard for me to pick out just one moment. But as you're saying that in my mind, um, just thinking back to the World Series, I I think about the final out, Mariano um, coming in on Shane Victorino, the ground ball, Robinson Cano throwing to Mark Scherer. I can't believe it's been 10 years. Um, They're celebrating in a dog pile at the new Yankee Stadium, just the way they did uh, in 1923 when that place built was built and opened up, and, uh, and then uh, the other kind of snapshot that pops up in my mind is Johnny Damon taking two bases in that World Series game in Philadelphia. It was just uh, what a heads-up piece of base running. You know, Johnny was not <laughs> Johnny was kind of a space cadet at times, and you wondered where he was coming from or what he was thinking. But in that moment, I mean, he knew exactly where he was. Uh, he he Measured the distance between him and the third baseman Pedro Feliz, and uh, he knew that he could take take it there and take that base. And uh, you know, we were talking to Joe Girardi for the book. You know, even Girardi in the dugout was saying, "No, no, 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 no." And then it was like, "Oh!" No. series after after johnny took two bases there and uh maybe maybe there were other moments too for for everybody else but for me that was my moment that it was like oh the yankees gonna win this one
0: well there you go you can read about all the great moments from 2009 when mission 27 comes out next month brian thank you so much for uh for joining us and uh you know all the success to the upcoming book Okay, special thanks to Brian Hoke of MLB.com. Obviously, he's been doing great work over there covering the Yankees for over a decade now. He's got the book Mission 27 coming out soon. And, and Sean, I, I know you weren't able to join us on the interview. Maybe that's for the best because we might have had to calm you down fighting with Hoke over his thoughts on Aaron Boone as uh, possibly getting his first vote for manager of the year. Before, before I let you dive into your thoughts, because your thoughts about Boone are much stronger than mine, I would probably say I would right now put him second behind Kevin Cash of the Rays. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on on Boone so far and, and Hulk's assessment of him?
1: Well, what about uh, Mr. Baldelli with the Twins, too? Yeah, no, that's... I can't forget about that.
0: No, absolutely, you're right. Um, They've been hitting the cover off the ball. Yeah,
1: unfortunately, I couldn't... This is the second Hulk interview I missed. One was for the honeymoon, worth it. The other one was for a meeting at work, not worth it. Um Poor priorities. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. So, um, the, the, the bigger impact I had off that interview was that you actually said that, uh, or Shelly, you know, he doesn't have a lot of pop, which I caught when I was listening <laughs> to it. I started cracking up because he hit a uh, home
0: run.
1: yeah, he had a home run later that day. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I mean, all right, let's give Boone credit for this. Like he's done a really good job of getting this team to really embrace this next man up mentality. They're playing spirited baseball for the most part. Um, the last two nights, notwithstanding, cause up until the ninth inning they were pretty much dead in the water last night. Um, so he deserves credit for that. I mean, they, they've been playing loose and, and, and seem like they're having a good time. So, so he, he does deserve credit. Um, I have no problem – like a a loss like today, he didn't burn through anybody important. So if Hap can not stink at Yankee Stadium tomorrow night, they have all the big guns ready to go.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you unaware that Jonathan Barrett pitched tonight?
1: Uh, Like I said, none of the big (laughs) guns. I I have to Google who that is. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, like we were texting the other day, like I, I thought him leaving in CC to face Bruce the other night was the right move. I know you were like – you thought he was cooked. But just, you know, knowing how Bruce does against left-hand pitching and and knowing CC like that may feel good. Now going to Holder to start the next inning, that I don't agree with. But um, High I mean, leverage if, Holder. <laughs> yeah, that's that should be his nickname. But if we're talking about um, – you know, in terms of, like, the mood around the team, there was no panic early. I was panicking, obviously. Um, I was very upset. I mean, I'm going to take more credit than Boone because me getting upset <laughs> seems to have changed things. But, no, the team was stayed focused, and they played well, So, so Boone deserves credit there um if he were to sustain this throughout the whole season then yeah absolutely but i don't think anybody could sustain it with this roster and we'll never find out hopefully because everybody will be coming back but um he definitely deserves credit so there you go my tails between my legs
0: (laughs) very good a positive endorsement of aaron boone from sean so mark as positive as it'll get (laughs) all right well uh anyway so Going to the negative now. You seem to be a little worried about the week ahead, or at least the weekend ahead. Or maybe we we're worried about the week ahead because the Orioles are after the the Rays. Who, uh, well, I mean the Yankees did sweep them in their last meet, but they do tend to uh, fall a little flat against Baltimore since going back to last year, despite how terrible they are. But uh, Rays and Orioles on deck. Uh, how, how you how you feeling about the the upcoming slate?
1: Um, I'm worried, especially when you talk about the rotation. I mean, Hap has not, you know, Hap pitched really poorly his last time out. And, um, Loisaga didn't look like he had much. I mean, I don't know. At this point, do you want Loaizaga or Sessa in the rotation? Dallas Keuchel is not an option.
0: <laughs> I, I still like Loaizaga. I mean, I know he didn't pitch great today, but mm-hmm. he's also looked really effective at other times before he got sent down. So, I, I mean, I, I'm still willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I probably feel more comfortable with him going against the Orioles than Hap, because Hap just weirdly gives up home runs at sporadic paces all of a sudden. It's kind of like Tanaka. Hap, is, Hap has been really good. Uh, last, last start notwithstanding, Hap had been really good, except for these, you know, occasional but somewhat regular blips in the radar where he gives up a home run. I feel like he, he's kind of channeled a little bit of tanaka there with a little bit less ability to grind through starts where he doesn't have his stuff
1: yeah i, I you know when we saw when we to that game on saturday he came out so good he was oh two oh two oh two on the first three guys he faced two strikeouts and then he got a pop out um but then the wheels just came off um hopefully he's able to battle through some through a little bit better if he does when he doesn't have his stuff but um We'll see what happens tomorrow with him. Um, I guess I'm really concerned about the Tampa series. They always play poorly there, and you do have, you know, um, a couple. You might have to play Andrew Har third if if um, Rochelle is hurt. Andrew Har struggling at the plate right now, which is one of your big offensive weapons. Um, So we'll we'll see how they come through through it all. But I think once they get home. if they can win one in Tampa, I, th- I think they'll be fine. Because tomorrow's a toss-up game. You'll have a plus plus five hundred homestand, and then you'll have the Orioles you could come beat up on, and then get some revenge on the Rays when you're a little healthier next weekend. Hicks will be back by then for sure.
0: Yeah, um, that's that's the hope, and a valuable day off before that Tampa series yeah, at home absolutely. next week. But yeah. but that feels like that feels like the time to make a move. You get Tampa Bay at home the weekend after this one, and then you have Baltimore and Kansas City before you go play a a better better playing actually really well San Diego team at home and then the first big series against Boston four games.
1: Yeah, that's so that like after this weekend you got to make some make up some ground and then you got the big guns coming up so
2: All right,
0: well uh We've looked ahead. Now let's look back. Brian Hoke gave us his uh, most memorable moment from 2009 as we await the release of his book Mission 27, which he wrote with Mark Feinsand about the 2009 Yankees. So, what about what about you? Is, is there a specific moment from 2009 that really sticks out to you the most? Kind of like how I'm sure for you 98 was the Tino Grand Slam, and for you know 2000 the for me the Jeter leadoff home run. Just what what about from 2009?
1: I mean, I think. First of all, I think like when you look at all of baseball history, you think of the Tino Grand Slam. Like that's just <laughs> the thing um, that you think about. Yeah. I, th- I was surprised that Ken Burns' all nine innings were just not replaying that. Um,
0: yeah, you had you had Tino Grand Slam, a, a huge layer of nothing, and then the shot heard around the world, uh, the Bill Mazeroski home run.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like Billy Bean says in in Moneyball. You know, there's the. There's the Tino Grand Slam. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's the rest of the history. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, a couple things actually. Um, one of the one of the ones that I remember so much is and so well is the A Rod two run homer off Nathan yeah. in game two, and, and the reason that that sticks out to me is because in 05, 06, and 07 they had been these like. Really good. Well, 07, 07 team in the second half was amazing, but they had been these really good teams that fell short in the playoffs because they weren't getting the big hits. And then A-Rod was so much the focal point of that. And then in 09, you know, they don't make the playoffs in 08, 09, he gets this big hit and it's like, okay, this isn't going to be another one of those years. This is going to like, we're going to get the big hits this postseason. And that turned out to be true. So that was definitely one of them. Um, a personal one for me was I was at the game, uh, the fourth game of the four-game sweep of Boston in August. Um, that was, now she's my wife, but that was our one-year dating anniversary. Like we were, I was, what, 20 years old and you know, <laughs> she was 17 or whatever. Or I was 21, she was 18. And uh, watching them sweep Boston with Damon and Teixeira going back to back and a belly to belly, that was like the first time the new stadium ever got crazy loud uh, so that's definitely one I remember, especially the way – I mean, it, it, I don't know if you remember, but the whole beginning of that season with the way the Red Sox just – Yeah, they lost the first, like out eight us, games. Yeah, it was so embarrassing. And then to sweep them in a four-game set was was nuts. Uh, and that, that last game was definitely the exclamation point. And um, the, the last one would be probably – Andy Pettit getting an RBI in the World Series. So, but no, yeah, those 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 would be my my big ones. What about you?
0: Yeah, it's it's funny, you know, they won the World Series that year. But for me, the two big moments were in the Division Series. You already mentioned the A Rod one. That was that would be that would probably be mine. Just realizing, like, all right, this incredible hitter is about to play like that on the biggest stage. And I mean, he even went further than that. After that, obviously, he was unconscious that postseason. And probably some bias in in here, but the the Jeter home run in Game One because that we like, should have been at yeah that we should have been at. Uh, but anyway, um, like you said, they had just been quick exits in the division series the last few years. They had made the playoffs, and you know CC had been so great all year, but he starts off rough, and you're like, oh man, here we go again. But then Jeter would kind of with like a not so fast, my friend, missile in the left field. And uh, I don't know. It was cool. That was like one of the first times Jeter did like a little swag full bat drop. I feel like because he, he crushed that home run, and uh, yeah. that was uh, that was fun. That was fun. I would say those two moments, and then and then Matsui uh, picking apart Pedro in Game Six. Those would be my three.
1: Yeah the the. Matsui double off the wall with the bases loaded probably is my lasting memory of the World Series. Although the, the, you know, Arod obviously has the huge hit in Game Four, um, but yeah, that 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 was pretty pretty clutch. Nothing from Game One was memorable of that World Series, which I saved up and you saved up for at least three months to to go to, and it was the only home game they lost the whole postseason.
0: Just to see Chase Utley demolish CC.
1: At least you could see our specs in the World Series video on yes. that second home run of hits.
0: <laughs> that was a bomb. But uh, but anyway, hopefully you get to experience that again this year. We shall see.
1: Uh, yeah, you're a little behind on your uh, your savings plan for the World Series, just, oh, just yeah. so you know, to call you out on the air in front of everybody, all, all our 50 listeners. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, we'll expect a Venmo message soon. But uh, until then, I guess, uh, what are you looking forward to this week? I almost I almost cut us off before we did our, our usual spiel.
1: Um, this week I guess obviously looking forward to um, Game of Thrones. Like, let's just couple spoilers for the people. Actually, Dad has started watching Game of Thrones, <laughs> so I've been texting with him. Uh, he's watching season one, episode nine. So Dad's really a lot
0: he, faster than I thought.
1: I, I know he's picking up speed, but we'll see. Now that um, you know, he's watching Baylor. What happens? Because he texted me today saying that he really is a big fan of Ned Stark and how honorable he is.
0: Expect a WTF text pretty soon.
1: I you know what? I texted him, I said, <laughs> Did you start watching it yet? And he said two minutes ago, but that was like two hours ago, so he's just too he's I,
0: too speechless he, to even text you. He's yeah. He feels so um, betrayed. So I'm making the prediction. Um,
1: Cersei goes down on Mother's Day. Sir, she goes,
0: that would be harmful, because she's an expecting mother.
1: That's, there you go. <laughs> so, I'm looking forward to that, um, the, looking forward to seeing Mama on Mother's Day and hanging out with her, and uh, the rumor is that you're actually going to be down here on Saturday, so maybe we could all do something together.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. That would be what I'm looking forward to, and Game of Thrones. I, I watched Amelia Clark on Jimmy Kimmel the other night, and she said that this upcoming episode is by far the craziest of the season, so... I trust my queen, so hopefully she, uh, hopefully she's right, and it's a good episode uh, to kind of salvage what's been so far. Kind of a disappointing season, to be honest, but we'll we'll see if we get some some craziness. In just it. like
1: House Mormont, I only honor the, the Queen of the North.
0: <laughs> no, Daenerys. Daenerys is clearly starting to channel her inner mad, mad, king. mad king. But uh, all right, well then. Anyone who watches Game of Thrones, we hope you enjoy next week's episode. Happy Mother's Day to all the bomber mothers out there. You're, you're holding up your hands.
1: I got to change my answer. Oh. Scratch everything.
0: Oh, wait. I need to change my answer, too.
1: You're looking forward to tomorrow, aren't you? No. Damn it. Well, I'm looking forward <laughs> to tomorrow, which I, I can't say nothing about. But tune into next week's episode. That's all I can say.
0: I was going <laughs> to... Actually, that should be my answer, too. But I was going to say, not not so fast. What about Tuesday? We got the draft lottery. The Knicks, the Knicks history is about to change.
1: I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go back to being an Indiana Pacers fan just to <laughs> piss you off again.
0: Well, you'll be the one pissed off pretty soon once the Knicks get, <laughs> Knicks get Zion. Uh,
1: if, if they win the lottery, I will go to Brooklyn just to see the pick. That'd be fun.
0: That'd be awesome. But all right, we've gone off the rails. Uh, We were talking about the Yankees a while ago, and we'll be back talking about the Yankees next week. Special thanks to Brian Hoke for coming on and, and joining us, and we really, really hope you listen in next week. So thanks, everybody, for listening.